0: This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. There's no way around it. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week for Georgia State men's basketball as they dropped both games on a road trip that took them to Appalachian State and Marshall. We'll try and diagnose some of what ails the Panthers as they sit here at 9-13 and 13 and 2-8 and 8 in the Sunbelt, as well as preview the upcoming homestand against that school down south and Southern Miss, as well as later talk about some of the football signing day action and a little bit more stuff. But first, if that opening reign sounded familiar to you, it's because today is Groundhog Day, and much like Bill Murray in the 1993 film of the same name, the Panthers felt like they were repeating last week's results on the court, much like I repeated the same thing I read at the start of last week's podcast. <laughs> Again, 0-2 week. 7159 loss at App State, 103 to 65 loss at Marshall. Gentlemen, I got nothing. What do you have?
1: Oh, we have something? I I wasn't know that you're gonna throw to us. I didn't know that I was even here. Like I thought you <laughs> were gonna do the pod by yourself. Absolutely. I
2: mean I wish Jordan could do the pod by himself this week. It was uh it was certainly something, is what I will say.
1: Yeah, I mean honestly. I kind of wanted you to go into like agonizing detail about the games, just the TikTok, what happened, just because it would put off uh, put off us talking about it for a little bit longer. Uh, but I also know that people don't really want to hear that because they watched the games probably or heard about the games and know that it didn't go great. Um, when you go and play two games, and you can basically point to one half where you played well, probably doesn't build well for that trip. And that's kind of the case. The, the for second half against Appalachian State on Thursday... They outscored them, probably would have been my a little bit more than it ended up being, uh, but they started playing the foul game late, and so App State worked some points back and ended up winning by that 12-point margin. Uh, but they were down by 15 at the half. So going to the other side of things, the, ha- the uh, halves where they did not play well, they didn't give themselves a chance, again, in a, a situation like that where they were down by 15 at the half. Playing well in the second half in that situation didn't really amount to much because they were in such a big hole. And then neither half against Marshall, I mean that game got out of hand early. And but for Marshall pulling out their starters at about the nine eight minute mark in the sec in the second half, you know that could have gotten I, I want to say it could have gotten ugly because it was already ugly. It could have gotten a different factor of ugly. Um, and you know, those it's kind of the game that's been coming in the sense that we know how this team has struggled offensively. And if it was going to be a game where either the team they were coming up against really was prolific on offense, which Marshall is. And it was a game where they didn't play particularly great on defense, which they didn't. That's kind of the formula for what happened on Saturday, where just everything went wrong all in the same game. Marshall drops a hundred and in a season that's not really had many, many high points, it does feel like a pretty on its own low point and just kind of going to have to see where the team proceeds from here because if anything, and this is maybe your silver lining if you're looking for one, games like that usually elicit some kind of response from a team. If they're still going after it and playing hard and you know that's something they've done for most of the season, so I think it's possible they're going to do it, but That is kind of where things lie for me is like, all right, let's see what they look like this week, because it will definitely be a little bit informative as to how the rest of the season is going to go. I hope
2: it's informative about how the rest of the season is going to go, just because. I mean, we said Marshall was a really good team, you know, last week, and we expected Georgia State would have a tough time keeping up with Marshall. Did I foresee a, you know. Near 40 point loss probably not if i'm being honest and you know marshall kind of just did everything right they hit all their shots they you know (laughs) they abused georgia state with the same simplest offense and really just kind of found the pressure point of the panthers and that's all they did and then you know when they wanted to you know shoot from three they shot from three and i think it's very frustrating No, frustrating is not the word that i would use it has been very rare in the last, I think, decade, you can say, for Georgia State basketball for there just to be a very clear talent deficiency on the team. You can talk about health. You can talk about, you know, guys rotating in and out over the years, um, but top to bottom, any given night, Georgia State usually lines up against the Sun Belt opponent. And, you know, you feel like they're going to play a competitive game, even if they're not even playing at 100%. Um, but this one was not a competitive game. And it's it's very it – it is uncommon ground to be here for, you know, Georgia State fans and Georgia State players. Um, and, you know, you hope that there is some growth that happens. Like we've talked about before, there's been some good individual performances. Um the Marshall game kind of throw that one away, but I think you can still kind of look at the App State game and say that there was some good things. You know, unfortunately, another slow start, unfortunately, another, you know, furious type comeback where the second half they played a lot better. Um, you know, I I and honestly, I think they tightened up on defense, and app state wasn't getting every single 50-50 ball, every single, you know shot that wasn't necessarily a great shot wasn't falling for them but you know the hole in the first half just wasn't enough and you know it's just kind of been the same theme for georgia state all year and i don't know it's just going to be a tough kind of end to the sunbelt schedule if these are the types of performances they're going to put together
1: yeah and i think Obviously, and now in hindsight, we overstated the impact of DeWan Odom potentially returning. Obviously, that was a lot of the focus heading into this set of games. It's kind of like, well, they missed him badly in the two losses the previous week, and so if he's back, that's going to help them. And the problem was he wasn't really at his best in either game, a little bit loose with the ball, had some turnovers in both, and I don't know. I know that he didn't start against uh, Coastal, and so kind of the is DeWan 100% stuff started there from when he was in the starting lineup and I don't think it's really gone away. I'm still not hundred percent convinced he's 100% health wise, obviously well enough to play in these games, but that could certainly be a factor to him not looking like himself in this series, but it, it really mattered. It, you really didn't have that steadying force again, but you were back at full strength. Um, you know, Colin Moore's offered a lot of good and that continued in this set of games. It wasn't nearly as pronounced as it was against uh old dominion, Georgia Southern, but he played good in, in spots, uh, but he also turned it over four times uh, on Thursday against app state. He turned it over three times on Saturday. Jaheem Hudson had six turnovers on Saturday. You get, you know, guys that aren't primary ball handlers having that many turnovers is just not at all going to help you out. And on Saturday, Marshall started stacking up. I mean, they won a, something like a 15-0 run in the first half where they kind of took control of the game and never looked back. And more than a couple of those points were on just open court turnovers down low by Georgia State, transition, easy bucket for Marshall, and 23 turnovers on the night Saturday. Just aside from the, whatever happened on defense and – uh not shooting the ball particularly well either. That's just the killer. And that's been, you know, this team has obviously been able to overcome some poor shooting performances and some wins. It hasn't always been pretty, but they've been able to do that. They've not won a game yet where they've turned it over like crazy and shot it poorly. And so even just taking that side of the ball, it really is that thing where it's like they can kind of, like they've shown... They can work through being who they are on offense, not really having that shooting well enough to stay in some games when they're also taking care of the ball, or at least not being that loose with it and having that many turnovers happen. But when it's all happening at once, it's going to spiral like it did on Saturday. And you just kind of have to hope that Saturday was just the total bottoming out against, again, has to be said, maybe the best team in the conference. Like, if this happened against... 11, 12 of the other Sunbelt teams, I think you'd be really, 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 really concerned. You're mostly just really, really concerned after that. Like you are still very concerned at losing a game that uncompetitively in conference, but part of it was Marshall being very good and them catching you on a really bad night. Um, If it had happened against a team that wasn't as prolific on offense, it would be like several, five alarm fire. I don't know that it is like that. It's more like a two or three alarm fire for me. Um, The caveat I have to that is if things don't look much better, just as far as effort connectivity on defense in this next set of games, we're pushing up the number of alarms we're talking about for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't know what the rest of the season needs to look like for me to not just call this season a wash um you know you can still have the alarm on but i think at this point it's about finding what was good and then just really stripping it down for next season um you know some guys are going to be playing for their positions next year at this point um and i don't i don't think that's a bad thing like i said earlier that's something that georgia state and georgia state fans are not accustomed to um but yeah, you don't want to be playing many uncompetitive games, and they, you know, they've played way too many uncompetitive games. It's been just a really weird mix of basketball. And you know, I'm I'm not even going to sit here and say that if they had more competitive first halves, they would win any of those games. You know, it's funny we talked about the offense struggling um, a ton this year, and I, I looked because they scored sixty five points against Marshall. If they had just scored that number and in each of their losses they would have flipped three losses so like on you know on the season the offensive performance from the marshall game would have been very helpful in other games you still have a losing record but you know it it, it would have allowed you to feel a little bit better about the team because in most instances this is a very good defensive team Um, but it's college basketball. It's not football. You can't just lean on your defense. You do have to be able to score unless you're going to be as good defensively as like Virginia from a few years ago. Um, and they're, you know, they're good, but they're not that good. So, you know, I think finding stories like the Colin Moores, the, you know, can Jaheim get a little bit more consistency, um, and kind of calm some of the emotions down, uh you know can evan johnson find a consistent stroke from the outside and you know is juan gonna ever be healthy again this year you know those are the storylines that you look for but you know you hope that all of that can happen and you can keep the team being in more competitive games that they need to be in because just right now they're just really not
1: and like you want to avoid this happening but just thinking about it without making it like a, is there a problem in the locker room thing? Like they dropped four straight. They've been on the road since January 14th. Um, You don't want stuff to creep in where it's affecting morale, but I don't know how you could look at the way everything has gone losing what seven of eight and not think that clearly that was impacting a team. And it kind of, bubbled into the surface and just how Saturday kind of digressed and got just completely out of hand in a hurry. And so that's the type of thing that you want to see shape up as soon as they're back home. And like I say, like expecting a response of some kind of energy after a loss like that on Thursday, especially against a rival, certainly is where I'm at, not out of hand. And it would be a problem for me if that isn't the case, if there isn't some kind of... Because then you get into the worry about, how long term that mojo problem is because if it is just a case of they couldn't stop the run on the schedule and they were on the road and you know all of that stuff piles on top of it it would be one thing if you know they come back home settle things down and even if they just split the rest of the way or whatever like obviously that would still be an under 500 season and that's certainly not a given the way they've been playing but it wouldn't be any kind of major win but it would at least be a Okay, they've really gotten the doldrums there, but things look a little bit more even keeled heading into next year than they would have been. Whereas if this is kind of the new normal and they're struggling to find that ability to match mentalities of other teams who are coming in with a lot to play for and, you know, look up and down the rest of the schedule, there's a lot of those still to go. You play Marshall again. You play Southern Miss this weekend, who's still playing for the conference title. James Madison is kind of on a roll recently after dropping some games in the middle of the conference schedule. That's the final game of the year. They're certainly going to have some seeding line to play for in that game. You know, they've got to get that back and quick. Otherwise, it's going to make the offseason even longer. Because I, short of, to answer your kind of hypothetical, like, I don't know what makes the season not a wash. It's honestly making the NCAA tournament on pensacola which I'm not betting on. I don't think it's going to happen based on the way things have gone, but like that is what it is. Uh, nothing other than that's going to really make anyone feel good about this season. Uh, but I think if it doesn't get the same, if it doesn't stay this bad, as bad as this last week of games was the rest of the year, that's at least, okay, maybe there's a pulse here N- next year with some additions, things will get a little bit better. Um, and you know, honestly, I, I don't know if you have anything more to say about that set of games. I, I take the cue and say, no, no, we, we're so good. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and project forward to next year, I do have a little bit of a story to tell you because as bad as things have been for Georgia state, it honestly can be worse because Southern miss last year, Georgia state's playing on Saturday, was a bottom 20 team per the metrics, per KenBomb.com. 7-26, and just really one of the worst teams in college basketball. They brought in a lot of transfers. Their coach is kind of on his last stand, and they're currently 19-4 and in their top 100 team. And so granted, Georgia State's going to have to hit on some guys in the transfer portal and add some shooters to kind of make that follow through. And it's certainly not as simple as, oh, well, Southern Miss did it, and so you did it you're going to do it easy. But if you want to look at this year and teams that have made massive turnarounds, I don't think we have to talk about this being any kind of multi-year thing for Georgia state necessarily, because if you look at Southern miss, they've made about as drastic a turnaround as is possible. And for the first time as Belt members on the basketball court, Georgia state's going to see them on Saturday.
2: Let's hope it goes like football does, you know, that'd be nice. Right
1: i don't know i've never heard of any 42 14 basketball games i mean that'd be some really really good defense by georgia state um it not glossing over the first game of this week obviously because i think that's probably the more important one and again it's kind of like when we talked about the state southern game in football where at that point the team had finally won against army but it still didn't feel like the season was going all that well and so it was like all right, at least beat these guys on Saturday. And so you have that at the end of the year. And that ended up being a pretty prescient thing to say because that is kind of the only real positive you can point to in the football season this year. And it's kind of the same thing, both offensive and defensive in that not only would it be, uh, yeah, beating those guys always feels good in the rivalry. You're playing defense because they already won their home game. And so you don't want to get swept in this series for the first time since 1992. And so there's that to play for. And like I say, this will be the game where we're going to kind of see how much last week is going to bleed into this weekend, the rest of the season, because if there was any game where you could just flip the switch and get back to the right mentality, it would be after that martial loss playing your rival at home. Like it really doesn't get any better if you're trying to draw up your easy to get the guys up for this game game.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, Georgia Southern isn't coming off a great week either. Um, you know, I think we had varying expectations for Texas state coming into the year, but you know, they lost on the road at Texas state, you know, they blew a pretty sizable lead on the road to Louisiana on Saturday after the Texas state loss. Um, and, Honestly, their only wins in this last few stretch are against their two rival schools, Abb State and Georgia State, um, in a like split home and road. So it's it's not necessarily been a great spot for Georgia Southern basketball either. So if you know, that's something that Georgia State has to take advantage of. You know, Georgia Southern beat Georgia State, but if you look at like Ken Palm they're right there in that same kind of range in the you know mid 200s as you know both of those teams are right there it's not like georgia southern is a you know clear cut better team than georgia state even if they have three more conference wins and you know three more just overall wins so i think it's a good it's a good test to see where the mojo is you know get a good vibe check and you know maybe the playing a little bit on Saturday helps Dwan, you know, rest up and, you know, he's good to go on Thursday. Maybe some of the other guys being back in Atlanta, you know, they feel good. You play at home, you feel good. But, you know, I really just want to see the energy be there for 40 minutes instead of like, I don't know, 25, (laughs) what it's
1: usually been. Yeah. Not backloaded. Got to get some faster starts going as well. And, yeah, like you say, and like kind of the the broad point that I've been saying is like, if not this game, when is it going to come back? Because it starts to be the question of, is it going to come back? And that's when you start getting into the worry zone of like, what is the next positive thing that's going to happen for this program that has had a lot of success over the last decade? And this is definitely an unfamiliar spot to be in because I don't know the last time, probably RJ's freshman year uh, is the last time that anyone's kind of had to have these thoughts around the program because the year after RJ made the shot and they beat Baylor wasn't really a great year, but I think everyone was still kind of on the high of the last couple of years before then that had gone really well. And it wasn't until like we got to NOLA and lost that just awful game to Texas state and went home. It was like, Oh, the season's over and it's not gone all that great. I don't think that you know, last year's run was anything like that. And there's been a change of coach. And I think there's been a little bit of a honeymoon period there because it was a coach that everyone's excited about. And I don't think anyone is particularly quick to want Jonas out because I think everyone did think he was the good hire. I think we all still think he was a good hire and it's going to work out in the long term. but you know, Thursday is going to be an important game because you know, this is really the moment that you can reset everything, even if it doesn't turn the season around, but just kind of it stops a free fall. And, you know, I, I think that it would make everything worse if you uncompetitively dropped a game to Georgia Southern to lose that season series to nothing and not write the ship at all. And then, by the way, at that point, you've got a good Southern Miss coming in on Saturday. And it's a weird thing with Southern Miss because... I don't think Georgia State's played them since like 2017. I'd have to check, but they played them a few times during Hunter's time here in non-conference, but it's not actually a team that they're unfamiliar with because Felipe Hase and recently Neftali Alvarez, who's not played that much this season, but he's just gotten healthy and he's coming back. were two of the transfers I mentioned earlier, they both came from Mercer, who Georgia State has played a lot over the last few years. Coach Neer loves scheduling Mercer every year and, they gave them a real test offensively. And Hase is a 6'10 guy who can shoot threes. And so on any team, against any team, that's a huge threat that they're going to have to worry about. But certainly interesting the, the way things work out in just the small world of 360 basketball teams and you still have these two guys transfer to a team in your conference and you're going to have to get ready for them on Saturday.
2: It's a loaded team, you know, and... Um, it's funny because they are very good, but they're like biggest, you know, their biggest issue that I've seen is just, they don't, they're not like proficient with three point shooting, you know, kind of around the same level that Georgia state is, but a little bit worse. Um, so that should help Georgia state. You know, <laughs> you, you want to try to find any sort of angle that you can with them. Um, conversely, they also defend the three really well. Um, they're in the top 100. So let's, you know, the top third of the country. So we'll see. We'll see what goes on for this one. I mean, and I another
1: think, team that forces turnovers, which
2: as we talked about, it's been a little bit of a problem. Yeah, it's absolutely been a bit of a problem. Um, uh, this Georgia State team has not been great at taking care of the ball this year. Um I mean, just the, the offense in general is always a struggle, so you know it might it might be better. It might honestly be they just struggle on the road that is very possible. You know road home splits are definitely common in sports, but it's gonna be a tough task.
1: I think if you're looking for again, something else you can look forward to the rest of the season as you're still tuning in is they play more home games than road games the rest of the way. And if you want to go deeper than that, they have three road games left. One of them against Coastal Carolina that they beat by 30-plus that felt like the opposite of what the last couple of weeks have felt like. Uh, they play at Arkansas State, who is the only team with the worst conference record than Georgia State right now. And then James Madison, which is not – there's no sugarcoating that one. Uh, but if you're trying to project out that, yes, they're going to win a road game, you at least have two teams left on the road schedule that you feel like you could beat Mono a mano. Uh, But those games are weeks away. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. Uh, But just something to take note of that there is less of this to worry about. If if there is a road home thing that is going on, uh, they have less road games left than home games. So they're going to have the friendly confines five times more this season and do with that what you can.
0: All right, so in slightly more positive news, we had National Signing Day occur today as of the uh, recording of this podcast, and the Panthers picked up some pretty good local guys. Gentlemen, what do you have to say?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a less big fanfare because there were less guys. I mean, they signed seven guys today. They signed 16 in December. So the bulk of the guys, including everyone who's currently on campus for spring practice, was in December. But they added some important pieces, I felt, Especially given the guys they lost, where they added two safeties and Ty G Leach, who's a three-time all conference uh, in the Patriot League at FCS at Lehigh, is a safety. Salin Streeter is a junior college guy from California, is another safety. And so with the signing of those two guys, you've now replaced every position in the portal or through junior college that you lost in the name of guys like Thomas Gore, um, Antavius Lane now, Jamil Mohamed. You've replaced all of them. And so in theory, their spot has been filled by an experienced guy, and the rest is going to be up to them coming and learning the system, other guys developing what have you. But you're at least back at square one. And you know, square one was a four-and-eight team this past year, so there's still work to do. But as far as you could be prepared for it, I think that they have gotten past the first phase where they have just straight up gotten new players in and leach is a guy in particular I'm interested in you know three-time all-conference speaks for itself he had 11 and a half tackles for losses and safety this past year which probably is going to be hard to replicate at the FBS level um, but the thing that Antavius Lane did that maybe we didn't talk enough about was just what he did in run support and just coming down and playing in the box and tackling and so if you've got a guy who's got 11 and a half tackles for loss coming in at that same position you feel like he's at least going to be able to provide that and even if you don't necessarily have all of the playmaking that hit stick was able to just be in the right place and make those plays if you're just able to replace his steadiness and coming and attacking the run that would certainly be a win and so if nothing else comes from the class that was the first thing that I took note of was you brought in two safeties with experience probably going to be one of those guys lining up in Antavius Lane's old spot when Georgia State hosts Rhode Island in August.
2: Yeah, I don't really have much to add. Um, You know, this is the second of the two signing periods, obviously, but I think they did a decent job of filling kind of the holes for the positions that left. Um, And, you know, all offseason we've talked about how the transfers and the class are going to be really – paramount to kind of restoring where we think that the team should be and hopefully that's what these guys can do you know not all of them will play against Rhode Island obviously and some have more tape than others but it's it's an important group that are gonna probably make you know this will be probably where you find a lot of the production that was lost. I don't know that there were a lot of guys who are on the roster that are just gonna win battles in camp or win battles in the fall, and maybe they do. Like I, I'm not saying that it can't happen, but I would venture a guess that most of the production that was lost will be replaced by people from this class specifically.
1: Yeah, and a couple of guys maybe not in that camp, but interesting, and I think good signings in their own right was that they added two running backs and Jalen Foster out of Greenwood, South Carolina, which is where Sam Pinckney's from and Charlie Pace, another Colquitt County, Georgia state Panther connection there. Um, With Marcus Carroll seeming to be the next guy to be kind of the lead back and feeling like you got Casey Adams and even Jay Dixon as possible guys who can step up and join the rotation don't know that you're going to really necessarily count on either of them in 2023 unless they just pop in fall camp. But after losing Tucker and Jam, feel like you've rebuilt the depth that you were losing there. And it might be kind of a slim position here in spring. I don't know if they're going to slide someone over for the spring just to have a body there or not. But once you add those guys in the fall along with the other guys, and maybe there's someone else to come uh, when the transfer portal reopens, we'll wait and see on that. But it feels like that's kind of back to where it was last year. And that's, you know, with how much they want to run the ball, having a rotation there and not having just one back you lean on is going to be important. And, you know, whether these guys are contributors in 2023 or down the line, seem like good backs and more of what we've come to become accustomed to uh, with the Georgia State rushing attack. Uh, And the final thing I mentioned is, or want to mention is, Unusually for Coach Elliott, because he doesn't usually do this, he's offered a kicker a scholarship out of high school, Isaac Kone out of Decatur, and as he mentioned, he's like eight to ten minutes down the road. Was really hyping up the local factor and said that he and special teams coordinator Akita Banks both kind of they had the official visit and it was kind of like we need to give this guy a scholarship. And so, from a makeup point of view, they obviously like him, and that's interesting. And I'm definitely curious. If it's his job to lose in the fall and you're going to have a scholarship kicker go out there as a true freshman and be the guy after losing Michael Hayes to West Virginia, we'll just have to wait and see on that as well. But it certainly jumped out to me because he's usually either gone the grad transfer route in the way of Noel Rees out of NCA&T or promoted guy from within and given them a scholarship after winning the job. Certainly stood out that. Before he's even stepped on campus, Isaac has got a scholarship already at kicker.
0: All right. And then one other piece of football news, uh, football does have a new head strength coach, Mike Siriano from Louisville. Gentlemen.
1: Yeah, very on the hush hush. Uh, John Sisk got moved on from in the offseason as the head of the strength and conditioning program. I can't really point to anything specifically that would have brought it on. I think it's one of the things of we like. When you have a four and eight season, you don't move on from a coordinator. That's kind of the move that you make to kind of shuffle everything, get everything right. And I'm sure there is a technical in the weeds reason what Coach Elliott was looking for in a new strength and conditioning person. Um, but on the outside, I think that it is kind of just a generic moving pieces around for the sake of it or after a disappointing season. And Ciriano has several connections to coach Elliott. He was on South Carolina staff from 2012 to 2014. And after that, he went and was the head director of strength and conditioning at App State from 2014 to 2018. Uh, He followed coach Satterfield to Louisville after he had gotten that job. And he did not keep his job at Louisville through now. I'm not sure what the story is there, but based on his background and based on, especially the App State factor, Definitely feels like one of Coach Elliott's guys, so to say.
2: Where do we even begin? You know, I don't want to make too much out of a strength coach hiring because I think you're right. And, you know, you gave good details on his backgrounds. Um, But for people who are kind of wondering, you know, why this is the case, I mean, you can't blame everything on, like, every single injury on the strength coach. You know, sometimes stuff happens. It's a contact sport. Um, It's a tough sport. Um, if you were to look at one thing, I suppose, you know, you could say that Georgia State kind of started really strong in football. Ironically, football and basketball had have, have opposite problems. If you put yeah, them together. Them, yeah, put them together one
1: way. It's a super great, team. Fill, the other way, it's just disaster.
2: Exactly. Um, You know, Georgia State would start really strong in games and really struggle to finish games. Um, You know, the James Madison game, the App State game kind of come to mind. Just second halves were, you know, not Georgia State's uh, strength and conditioning. Uh, That was horrible. But, you know, you can say that this is a move that kind of, in theory, appeals to smoothing that over. you know, if we get to the fall in 2023 or in October and, you know, November and Georgia State is playing 60 minutes and they're still losing, well, you know, maybe this hire didn't really do anything and that wasn't the problem. But, you know, I would have to imagine that this is something that you hope to not notice and you just, you know, see guys be healthier and then, you know, we're sitting at a Nice after a nice season, you go, Oh, yeah, they did change that. And you know, it, I did notice that things were better. So,
1: yeah, no, the only reason that I say the way I did is like, I feel like a lot of the same vibes were around the last time they made a change and brought in John Sisk and his staff. Um, that it was kind of like this, the conditioning's off, the team isn't finishing through games, whatever. And after that happened, it was kind of like, Oh, everything got fixed. And so, when you're moving on from this, the the coach that was fixed that it's why I kind of feel like it's more cosmetic more than anything, but that's me not knocking. I'm not knocking cosmetic changes. You know, I think that making a move there can make a statement that it's like, this wasn't good and this is what needs to get improved on. And like you say, there were disappointing second halves and there is a thing you can point to that. It's like, that is what was going wrong. I just don't know that that was necessarily on the strength staff or not. Um, I guess we'll find out or maybe we won't. Honestly, hopefully we won't. Or honestly, hopefully we will.
2: No, I mean, like, I, I don't want it to be a situation where at the end of the year we like. I just want a good season like that. That's what I mean. Like, I, I think you just you want to not look at the quote unquote excuses of yesteryear and paper over every single thing that they did to fix it. You know, sometimes there's just variance in sports. So what I mean by that is just I hope it's a good year that you don't even have to worry about this hire next year.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And honestly, bad move by me to kind of rain on any possible silver lining for people at home. It's kind of like, you no, know, yeah, this is going to fix everything. Don't worry about it. Like, you, all, new company line.
2: You heard it here first, folks. Georgia State, first undefeated season.
1: Just scroll past the first five minutes of this where I was talking about maybe it's not a big deal.
0: And of course, we can't get you out of here without a little bit of sports bits. As we mentioned, we do have a men's basketball. Tonight, as of the release of this podcast, 7 p.m. in the Convocation Center, but the women are also playing Georgia Southern in Statesboro. That game tips off at 6, and you can watch that on ESPN+. Plus. On Friday, men's tennis travels up the road to Georgia Tech for a 5 p.m. match with the Yellow Jackets. And then, of course, Saturday, women's basketball plays at Marshall in Huntington, West Virginia at 1 p.m. That game's on ESPN+. Plus. The men host Southern Miss. At 2 p.m. in the Convocation Center, that game is also on ESPN+, Plus, WGTJ-FM 97.5, as well as Low Country Radio streaming online. And then also at 2 p.m., the women's tennis team takes on Mercer in Atlanta at 2. And then on Sunday, the men's tennis team takes on Furman in Atlanta also at 2 p.m. But that's all we've got going on in athletics this week. Hope you uh, have a fantastic rest of your week. Stay safe and go Panthers. We'll see you next week.